if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Of course, chat today we're introducing again or, or a return guest, Anna Twinney. Anna's talked to us quite a lot before, and if you'd like to find out a little bit more about Anna, you can go to her website, reachoutforhorses.com, or you can go to horsechats.com, search for Anna, search for Twinney, T-W-I-N-N-E-Y, or just listen to this chat and enjoy, and I'm sure you'll want to then go to reachouttohorses.com, and um, we can go from there. All right, Anna, today I think we're talking about capturing the whisper, is that right? Absolutely. I think that's truly what horse whispering is about, Glennis. You know, it's, it's this big question of what is a horse whisperer? Who's a horse whisperer? What does it even mean? And for me, it's exactly that capturing the whisper of the horse, meaning capturing the intention of what the horses are wanting to say through their actions and through their gestures, even through the sounds and the noises that they make. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was just talking to Christy Wysocki and she's a very high-level dressage judge rider. And one of the things she said was, the less you do, the more you can influence the horse. The horse's language is very, very quiet. And it's not just the body language. There's so much more to it. And the more you learn about it, the more subtle you can become. You've got this subtlety down to a fine art, I think. I think, you know, and I concur totally, and although my art's somewhat different, because it would be seen more as a behaviorist or an animal communicator versus necessarily looking at the high-level dressage motion, it all concurs. We're looking at sensing through our bodies, and she'll have an incredible seat, and in a way the whisper might even be in her seat, right, that she can feel it through the muscles and the motion and the thought that way. And for me, it would be on the ground or in the saddle to a degree, and we're looking at those those motions, right? The tension in the muscle or a flick of that ear. But predominantly for me, the capturing the whisper means it's in the eye. I feel like we see so much with humans too, Glennis, you know? You're looking at that eye and it's so deep and you can see that sorrow of an individual as well as the glistening of the eye and the sparkle of the eye and it escapes us much with horses we don't realize that they carry these emotions and there's such depth it goes through to that soul and you can see if they're happy or sad and and if they're willing and trying and when we look at other body parts even the rear end, because so many people are moving horses or conferring with horses when they're lunging, when they're looking at different body parts like the rib cage or the shoulder, they're missing that whisper to say, are you looking at me? Are you paying attention to me? And in return, am I seeing what you're thinking? It's all in the eye. I totally agree. And I think that even though you're saying, oh, well, we do this part of the horse industry and, you know, someone else is going to do a different part, we're all working with the same animal. And I think top horse people, if they're really good, they will be looking at that. Yeah. yeah I, I remember talking to a very high-level dog trainer one time, and he said, you know, straight up, I know nothing about horses, you know. And then he watched a horse for a while, and the horse was just there, but the horse was in a strange place, and he was worried. And he said to me that a horse is worried. And I explained it all to him. And I said, but you know nothing about horses. 
how do you know? And he said it was in the eye. Ah. So, yes, we, we can certainly, these subtleties, the more we grow to understand them, the more we look for them and the more we can adjust what we're doing to uh, work in best so the horse understands its best. Absolutely. It's funny. I just did a Liberty Clinic and I call it Liberty Language and Life Lessons because it's at Liberty. So therefore, the horses have more voice and choice. And, and I find that we're more equal at that point in time because you can't influence through through a line or through a rein or any other method. They're loose. And so part of it is the ability to capture that thought and capture the intention. And it goes both ways, right? When we enter an arena or a round pen or anything that we're about to do, a show ring, what intention are we bringing to the mix? Because, of course, there's sense. There's sense any tension or any excitement that we carry. But at the same time, what's our intention? They pick up on that. And that goes beyond the eye. That's the piece where the whisper now would be the energetic field between us even. If you were going to say, um, talking about the whisper, if I said to you, what's horse whispering and what does it mean to catch the whisper? Because we hear about horse whispering, but it's a term that's tossed around. But can you explain a bit more what's horse whispering and what does it mean to capture the whisper? Absolutely. It's a common term. And I think some people appreciate the term natural horsemanship or horse whisperer, while others perhaps don't. And from my standpoint, a horse whisperer, <laughs> I, I created a product the other day and it says um, basically a candle for a horse whisperer, a freaking miracle worker. And really that captures it well because we're often the last chance individuals where others have tried and not understood or not truly gotten through to that individual and we're the last chance in many ways to say okay now where are we heading or I've tried all these trainers and so a horse whisperer for me is an individual that can know the nuances of a horse that means we understand the herd dynamics the behavior patterns the personalities the character we understand to watch the body language, but also connect with them far deeper than the body language. You know, for, for so many years, we focused in on that to say, what is the eye? What is the ear? What's the neck carriage? And what are they saying through their movement, their gesture, their behavior? And that's what a horse whisperer is known for is discerning behavior. But at the same time, let's go beyond that. And for me now, this next generation horse whisperer will be able to discern the space between the two of us to understand, okay, here's your behavior and this is what it comes from and where it comes from. And for me personally, I've studied over 25 years now with wild horses and it goes back to the wild, be that in Australia or even going out to New Zealand, China, Mongolia, Europe, Canada, the United States from west to east to constantly watch these wild horses and understand those tiny behavior patterns. So for example, we could easily confuse why a horse could roll. We might say they're doing a chiropractic adjustment or getting rid of the flies, simply feeling great in the sunshine. But what if it were that that horse is actually nervous and he's adapting to the environment and putting the scent on his back? And so it's important to realize how they move we would be able to understand that there's more to it than more to it than just one reason. Why are they pouring? They could be pouring on the ground to look for minerals. They could be pouring on the ground because they're impatient, that they're frustrated, confused. 
worried, anxious. And instead of perhaps putting the one thing in there to say he needs to stop pouring, that is rude and the grandmothers aren't in place, if we start to look at the intention behind it to state, well, that's not part of his baseline. He never pours. So why is he pouring now? A horse whisperer will have a high degree of awareness. They will look out for the highest potential, the highest good of this individual. And as a behaviorist, we're looking to discern that behavior. But instead of waiting for something large, for example, like the bark or the rear or the bolt, or indeed the bite, we're looking to capture that moment, that moment in the eye or the weight shift, the energetic shift. All of the slightest pieces, and we know where it's going to lead to. That's a big thing. You know that if they're going to look in at you, if it's cheeky, perhaps it's going to follow with a bite. Or if they're distracted, they might turn their heads, decide to leave, or get distracted, headbutt, get distracted, not pay attention. So for me, the horse whisperer means that not only are we discerning the language, but we're also in a way predicting where it's leading. And flip that around now, the horse whisperer can also respond with body language gestures. The closest you can make it to the language of the horse, i.e. becoming in tune with them becoming authentic, aligned with your body, mind, and spirit. And ultimately, having such an awareness of your own body and what impact it has on the horse to be able to share that with another. And so that this carries over, that we can change behavior, have a great, great understanding, and really remove the blame, Glennis. That's a big thing, to look at it, to realize that every horse has a good reason for what they do. So... The whisper, it's visible in the horse's eye. Can you explain what it looks like? I mean, what can they express with their eye? You've talked about cheeky. You've talked about different types of behaviour. It's going to be a bit different with what's visible in the horse's eye. Can you just explain what should we be looking for? Looking for? Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking I want a bit more depth to the knowledge that I already have. You know, I've already got some knowledge, but... But I'm being a bit selfish myself, you know, a bit more, please. Absolutely, Glass. Um, I find even as a child, there would have been that ignorance because I would have looked at the horse's big eye and nobody would have shared anymore. And even if we have that intuition and that depth within us when we're younger to realize what they're saying, there's so much that gets missed. So when people come to me, And the first thing that, (laughs) the biggest thing that they mention is the fact that they didn't realize how much we could communicate with the eyes. They don't realize that. They don't realize that humans communicate 93% of body language, you know, everything's body language and nonverbal. And so, of course, when we are signing and jesting and communicating and connecting with a silent language such as the horses, we need to look at their eyes. We don't need to look at the other body parts when it comes to that understanding. So we have to realize that it's not just a big brown pupil or a big black eye and it's on the side of their heads and you're just looking at it. There's so much more because when you look deeper, you can see the pupil and it's really important to look for that when you're paying attention to see if they're looking at you. You cannot jest to them. You cannot use your body language if they're looking out with the fairies or out of the distance because they're elsewhere. So when we start to look in the eye, you can see a brightness. That brightness would be the same as ours, where our eyes are sparkly. I happen to have bright blue eyes with clear white behind, so it stands out a lot 
for me. And when I look at the horse's eye, they can discern how I look. If I'm squinting a bit, I'm quizzical, if I'm confused, if I'm paying attention and blinking, if I'm worried, perhaps I won't blink so much. So we're looking to see when the horse blinks, he's computing it, he's understanding it, processing it. When the horse blinks, he's taking in information. It's a soft eye. Now, there's a lot in a blink even, because when they blink, normally you could pay attention to say, okay, there's a few blinks every now and then, but what if they start to close their eyes on a blink? That could be sheer bliss, that they love the energy exchange, like energy healing, for example, or they're relaxing down into your touch. They're melting. They're appreciating the grooming. What if that eye is quite wide? especially noticeable on an appy. You can see the white of the eye. And you need to understand the baseline at that point in time, because if that white eye already shows, to a degree that's normal, or perhaps they live in a state of heightened awareness. So we're seeing, are they kind of keeping that eye open wider, or are they soft with the surrounding area around that eye? If it's wide, clearly they're trying to get more information in there, and there's something that's unfamiliar, disconcerting to them. Furthermore, when there's a sparkle, a brightness in the eye, they're happy, they're kind, they're excited. And we can sometimes see a glazed eye. And a glazed eye would be one where they're looking through you, literally going beyond that you say, hello, where are you in there? And it's as though they don't blink even if they did. They're just not at home. And you sometimes see that glazed eye and that glazed look when that horse hasn't been heard. The voice has not come through. They feel like they've been downtrodden. Sometimes in riding school horses or therapeutic riding school horses, you see that because they have to comply a little bit or a lot. So the glazed eye, we want to bring back that it's nice and sparkly, that their head turns, their eyes on you, and they look engaged. I've seen it a lot with horses where, for example, individuals have used flooding as a form of desensitizing, where there's no release of pressure. And at first, they could be completely frightened and scared and running away and sideways. But if they've been flooded to the point of no return, where they give up, that eye will just be glass. It's gone. It's as though they've sold their soul. They've had their soul taken from them. We call it freezing in one way, and the freezing is that they're not present. They've left their bodies. It's a coping mechanism. It's not something we don't see in people. We see it in them too. When they're trying to cope, when they just leave to say it's better if I'm absent, even if I'm in my body somewhat. There's the grief in the eye. So much depth, sorrow and sadness. There's the fear when you know that they think they're going to be struck, or the fear of being left alone, coupled often to fear with a high head carriage or heart rate, even head up high, but you'll see it in the eye. And I think one of the biggest things we need to realize is to not negate it, not to look at other body parts like the shoulder or the feet necessarily when we're trying to converse with them, but to realize let's pause for a minute and breathe and keep that silence and look for that eye. What are they trying to tell you within it? What's happened to them? Because it will tell you in the eye. 
their past, their present, will all be shown. It's quite extraordinary. There's a map within the eye that will tell you. And the more we study it, the better horsemen and women we become. Because instead of looking for simply the outcome and breaking things down into small steps for the desired outcome that we're looking for, we'd be looking at that eye to say, how much can you handle? How much attention can you pay? How long does this lesson need to be? What has happened to you in your past? Are you enjoying our current time? Are you feeling empowered? Are you feeling heard? Do you feel like you have a voice? All of that can come across in the eye. As I said, so much more depth than what I previously understood. What about us? How can we communicate with our eyes? And can the horse understand from our eyes? And what do they pick up from us? Like, you know, is this like goes both ways? I would say the first thing that they can pick up in the primary piece from us is the intention. And that truly is it. When we approach a horse and we are totally absent-minded or under pressure with time, they can see it not just in our body language, but they see it in our eyes. They can see the temper in our eyes. Again, the sadness, the sorrow, the absent-mindedness, the kindness, the compassion, every single emotion you can imagine, they will read in our eyes. They've had to learn it from a very young age because they've got to make decisions around what our intentions are. So perhaps if that young, innocent foal sees a human for the first time, they're going to read not so much the nuances, but the larger actions. And they're going to go off of their mum or another sibling or another family member to understand exactly what our actions are, because they might be so innocent. And it can go either way, Glennis, at that point in time, because a foal might have the natural flight instinct, while if they've never known anything harsh from a predator, i.e. us, then they're going to also be very willing and curious and open and watch everything that we do, because that's natural curiosity. But ultimately, not only can they pick up our emotions, the primary piece that they can pick up within our eyes would be our intention. And that's a huge thing. Are we intending to override them? Are we intending to listen? Are we intending to take our time? Are we intending to get the job done? Are we intending to control their feet? They're going to be able to tell pretty much everything in the eye. And here's a good one for you. And I've studied natural horsemanship for such a long time now. And I've seen the nature of the horse being used against the horse. So, for example, where we look at the fact that no horse in nature backs up. No horse, unless they're going to kick another. You don't see them walking backwards in nature. But we'll notice that to say, okay, their muscles aren't too strong backing up, or they utilize it to kick another. So we say back up, back up when you do something wrong, or or it is commonly used. So you begin to look at that too, and, and you realize that we might not take our eyes into account to realize that many look for only an outcome to reward They're waiting for the full outcome, their full expectation, their full agenda before they reward the horse. And then they go, good boy, and have a huge release of pressure. But what if we could read the eyes and say, your try is huge or you're confused here and we can release sooner? Don't look for that flight. Don't look for the bite or the kick or the strike or the buck. But instead, look at the eye to go, you're confused. I'm going to slow this down. You're concerned, I'm going to slow this down. So they can read our intention. And instead of thinking we have to control them and influence them, and it has to be our way or the highway, we can look at that to go, okay, let's dial it back. 
you're seeing my intention. I'm coming on too strong. I'm coming on too fast, too hard. And I'm going to breathe, smile, pause, and shift my intention to realize that they pick up everything at the now. They pick up every single thing. They're masters of energy, masters of the eyes. They've had to be because they are the ones that are looking for the awareness. They've got to see if that mountain lion is intending to pounce or intending to lie down and drink at the same water hole, intending to walk away. They were watching those eyes. They're highly aware and they can do this. They're training their young to do it, and especially the Mustangs. So all of these things can be picked up in the eye. This doesn't even go into, I'm getting excited now, but this doesn't even go into what we can convey with our eyes beyond intention and our emotion that we can work with horses at liberty. And that's a whole other piece. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. If we go in with the intention that the horse is looking in our eyes, what specific dialogue can we have with our eyes, you know, to communicate, to connect, to influence? What can we do to help through our eyes to do this, communicate, connect and influence? Absolutely. So one is we can connect. And although with the horses, they're not always seeking eye contact. So in their world, once you reach eye contact, it's respectful to look down or look away and not continue with the gaze. And this is a huge factor because when people are grooming, handling, tacking up, they want to stare their horses in the eye. In the culture of the horse, that's disrespectful. And so you're not seahorses hold that look. They might look as they're approaching and they might glance at you to discern what you're thinking, to see how they're going to be received and how it's going to be reciprocated. And so when we approach a horse, the truth is we'd look at the eyes to gain the attention. We could drop our eyes out of respect. It's not uncommon in some cultures to drop your eyes for a moment to say thank you or out of respect in general with all of us. And so when we approach, they're going to read us. They know us better than we know ourselves. They know if we are happy and sad, but we drop our eyes to say thank you. Now, we can indeed draw our eyes down to where we are. Imagine going from the horse's eye and drawing a line in the sand. And horses do not snap eyes from A to B. You don't see that. You see dragging their eyes. So they move their eyes from A to B like they're moving it through molasses. And so we tend to snap our eyes from one thing to another to another, and we can adjust our vision that way. So 
when we ask a horse to join us, we would get their attention with the eyes and then we can drag our eyes in the sand, like a line in the sand, to exactly where we invite them to. They will respond. It's a beautiful kind gesture to say, would you like to come on over? We can ask them to stop by snapping our eyes onto their eyes and ultimately say, I'd love for you to come close, but could you keep your space? For example, if we don't know them so terribly well, we'd want more space so they could move their heads. But if we do know them, then we invite them a little closer. Many will want to share breath, share space, hang out together. So they are watching all of this within our eyes to see what's happened for us today. Are we carrying a bad email or phone call with us? Are we carrying the workplace with us? Or have we managed to leave that on the outside? And a big one is expectation, I find. We walk in expecting to halt, or we walk in expecting to perform that motion. We walk in expecting that it's on our time to tack up and that they should be ready. And we do an awful lot of that. And I've changed everything, honestly, at my farm here. Riding's become less important. The connections become more important. Watching the eye. And tonight, I was bringing the horses in. And X was cheeky because he can only have a little bit. He's prone to laminitis. So he ran off and ran back where he needs to go. And Honey just gently meandered over. She wanted to share a moment with me and it was all in the eye to say you know what that's lovely I'd like to share a moment with you I haven't seen you all day either and just when we finish when we had a scratch then over comes Aria and again in the eye that I looked at that eye to see are you going to ask me to move are you going to ask me to stay what are you going to ask me to do all in the eye and she was asking for hands-on healing she just wanted to share a moment around the atlas axis joint and if you didn't look at her eye, you wouldn't have known because it got went warm and mushy and, and really cute that you go, okay, you want to hang out. You want to share time and space. You want to share the sunset. You want to share the energetic exchange together. And be it even more profound that I could even imagine, that's the big thing with the eyes that I think um, not only is it about influencing their footfall and what we can achieve on a result basis at Liberty, but more important, you can see and sense if you're getting a connection. That is the whisper. That's the true whisper. Yeah. You've talked about, you know, dropping our eyes and thank you, respect. And I've got a bit of a double barrel question, okay, because, and it's more just instead of saying one and then the other, but when should we look at the horse's eye but then when shouldn't we look at the horse's eye? You know, there's times to look, times to not look. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about when to look, oh, when I'd not to look. I'd love to. Yeah. I, I do look at them in the eye when I'm approaching them in a stool or a paddock because I want to know their mood and also their intention as they do mine. So to to figure out what mood are you in and how are you approaching me, meaning through your eye, because the movement's one thing. They could be coming forward slowly, fast, deliberately, dominantly. But even if they're coming forward dominantly, that's their motion, their movement. But the eye will say if they're intending more with that. And so I'm going to look them in the eye to say hi and drop my eye as soon as they start coming forward. I'm going to look them in the eye because it's a window to the soul. And I want to know, are you paying attention? Do you see me? I'm asking 
for me to see you, but do you see me too? So are you paying attention? Do you see me? How are you feeling today? What is your intention? Can you focus on this situation for a moment? These are some times to look them in the eye to make sure they're focused, to make sure that that looks like they're patient, etc. So many, many reasons to do that upon approach. If I'd love to invite them to come to the gate, my eyes would go up and then drop down to say, could you come on over? Or if they're in a posture, could look right at them. It's as though you're sending energy towards them too to say, look at me, because I'd love for you to come in right now. You're going to watch them if they're playful, if they're playing too hard, and especially if I'm going to reprimand somebody. And if they are playing hard, I'm going to stare them down for that moment to say, not okay. I'm going to stare you right in the eye, not okay. So many reasons to do it. Now, let's take it a step further. If we're working with them, either, for example, on long lines, so driving lines, lunge line, or at liberty, when we're looking for forward motion, at liberty would mean that there's nothing attached to them. That could be companion walking or driving them, dancing with them, playing with them, teaching them trick training at liberty, any of that. The eyes are so powerful, it's crazy. Because we would only gesture them when they're paying attention. So we ask them, we look at them in the eye to ask to pay attention, drop our eyes to say thank you for paying attention. Now, if we're driving a horse, we begin to drive with our eyes because we can see their intention, they can read ours. And it's one part of multitude of pieces that we, or multitude of pieces that we put together we combine it with the eyes on eyes shoulders square etc but let's assume and go off the premise that we are now driving doesn't matter if it's a walk a trot a canter or any of the speeds within the trot we're asking for forward motion now when we keep that eye contact our eyes mean something we're gaining depth connection communication and they realize that we're talking their language during this driving motion. They can see that our shoulders are square. We're at a very specific angle. We are lifting our legs up. We have a purpose. We're asking for forward motion. All combined, we're watching the eye. See, the eye can give them direction as to where they should be going. Wherever their nose is, their body will follow, but we can catch that in the eye. Because if they're going to glance left and you're on the left side, they might be saying, may I come in? Or what is it you're asking? So you're watching for that pupil. For the glance will state, may I come in? I'm cheeky. I'm looking for trouble. Or could I come in? A multitude of things. Now, when we drop our eyes below their nose, we're saying thank you. Thank you for anything. Thank you for moving, for slowing, for stopping, for coming. Thank you. So you could imagine if we're having a dialogue through motion, there's an awful lot of dropping your eyes, much like a blink. Now, if we've gained that strong connection with the eyes and they know we're talking with the eyes, we can draw our eyes back to the hind end, to the hind feet. It's like a bladder sweep all the way across the bladder meridian. We're grounding that energy, putting it down into Mother Earth, and now, while we've asked for forward, we could also ask for a slowing with the eyes. It's incredible. It's instantaneously, usually. We can stop a horse with our eyes by blocking in front of their nose. We can turn a horse with our eyes with sending that beam, too, either right at them or in front of them. We can draw a horse to us. We've already established that by drawing a line in the sand. If we're square in front of them, we can ask a horse to stop so they don't crowd us. 
We can even ask a horse to back up if we stare them in the eyes with our shoulders square and we advance forward towards them. We can disengage the hind end by drawing their eye and driving the haunches. The list truly is endless as to how much communication there is between two beings through eye contact. And it's not a miracle. It's something that we do with people. We can draw somebody across the room to look at them and say, come on over here with our eyes. We can flirt with somebody with our eyes, right? We can tell them to stop with our eyes. We can ask for attention with our eyes. And we can tell them that they've been naughty with our eyes. So everything we can do with a human being, we can do with a horse and can the horse to us. As soon as we start to recognize the value of eye communication. Just trying to get a little more subtle here, right? Because I'm, you know, this is great and we can do so much with the eye. But does it truly start with the eye or does it start with a thought? Well, there's something for you, right? If you'd asked me, I don't know, Glenn, if you'd asked me 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, who knows how long ago now, I would have said it always starts in the eye. I would have always done that because, of course, it does. You've got to get the connection with the eye. Of course, it starts with the eye to get the mood, right? But exactly, does it? Does it really start with the eye? No, it doesn't. It starts with our thought. Because in order to say, that upset me, because my eyes change immediately, that's the thought. Or I'm proud of you is the thought. Or I love you. The thought is what starts the eye contact and it changes the mood. And the eye is so profound, it's crazy how much we're talking with our eyes. And I've always said, and maybe I quoted it tonight, I already forget, that you can hide behind a smile, but you can't hide behind the eyes. Somebody could say they're okay and smile, but it's the eyes that might have the tear or the glaze or, or the secret. And it's the secret that you can see behind that eye. And that's the same for the horse. He might put up with things. He might be troubled. He might even be controlled. But ultimately, that eye will let you know. And so where does it start? It starts with the thought. That horse will have a thought and he's going to act it out. And then it goes from the thought to the eye. Us as humans, we have a thought. And my mentor Crawford Hall, he's a paraplegic in California, and he worked for Monty Roberts for 28 years, and an incredible guy. So Craw would always say to me, your body will always follow your mind, Anna. That's all I'm going to tell you. Your body will follow your mind. And I had to sit with that, not just for a day, a week, a month. I probably sat with it a terribly long time. But that's the truth, right? The body will follow the mind. And so we will visualize an activity or we will see ourselves doing something well, and the body will follow. Well, the same here. When we are full of pride and we have an attitude of gratitude, that's what our face will show, our eyes will carry. And so it's truly the thought that has it all. And so for me now, like I said, if you'd interviewed the younger me, I would have gone, no, absolutely, it's the eye. Fast forward, I'm going to be telling you it's the thought. It's the thought that we carry. And that's where the horse whispering begins. Just going back to um, something you said earlier about a horse shouting, what does a horse's shout appear as? You know, if the horse is shouting, what are they doing? 
Yeah, and the, and the biggest thing for people to relate to, no matter what industry they're in and discipline that they've chosen, if we think of it this way, we start listening quite a few. And of course, the ears could be back and the mouth could be open or we can see them pouring and striking. But these are the behavior issues that start to come in. So if they are pacing, box walking, even circling in that box, if they are digging their way to China, for example, putting their teeth, running their teeth up and down on the bars, if they are whinnying and running in that paddock, these are all behaviors that might be done without us being there or even us influencing them. If they're running over the top of you, kicking, if they are biting, biting you or biting others, biting clothing, biting bars, biting anything, if they are striking, pouring, bulking, bolting, bucking, rearing, we could go on. Any one of those behaviors would be a horse yelling at us. And here's the thing with this yell. It can happen rather fast. You could have an exceedingly innocent foal, for example, because I'm over the years I've worked with nurse foals and tribal foals and primrine foals, as well as show foals and mustang foals. So I'm quite well known for wild foal gentling. So with that, these guys are innocent, right? And they come on the planet pretty innocent. They might know their language because they've been with mum. But the truth is, they can enter this planet and they can start yelling. They could be the ones kicking out at you. And it could be from excitement and joy. And they can do that within the first hour. So the shouting could be, I'm shouting for joy. And it might be very quickly when you go in with that foal and you want to interfere with them right there and then that they go to kick you. They're shouting right away. You haven't necessarily created it per se, but you have because you haven't stopped it and you did provoke it. But at the same time, that shout could happen within three seconds. So what it isn't, it's not like we're waiting a year to come back with, well, that horse was in the stool, he didn't have the right nutrition, he's got an electric fence at the top, electric wire, because he's a cribber. And so he's shouting and it took three to five years for him to get there. Not at all. It doesn't take that long for a horse to shout. It's seconds. And they could be shouting in ultimately three to eight tenths of a second, but three seconds they could be yelling at you and escalate up to that. And that's what we're looking for is to say, let's not wait till they've kicked at you. Let's capture the thought in that eye. And then when we capture the thought in the eye, we can make a decision, a conscious decision as to how we're going to behave. Now, the listener here should have caught that because if they're going to give me only three to eight tenths of a second, of course, we can't have time for a conscious decision. So at that point in time, we've got to be pretty well experienced so that we have muscle memory to know how to respond appropriately. Either way, we're capturing the whisper in the eye. We're wanting to know how to respond rather instantaneously. And that comes with experience of having learned the horse's mannerism and the nature of the horse. Say we're approaching a horse that's distressed and we're trying to seek the relaxation signs. So can horses learn that we're seeking relaxation signs? Can they give them to their best of their ability, even though they're not relaxed, can they give them to their best of their ability? You know, 
again, you, this would have been so fun if we, you and I had spoken a few years ago. Because a few years ago, I had never encountered this. This is the crazy thing. I've never encountered it. Or I didn't recognize it, right? Never encountered it, didn't recognize it. So that, that's an, even an interesting concept that I look at that. But what started to happen is this. We now have more reach out to horses, trained horses. And so I've been around 22 years teaching. The methods have been around a long time once I started to kind of branch away and create them. And so now we've got the piece that as a reach out to horses trainer, we acknowledge the try. And the try would be, you know what, you're trying a head drop, you're trying to lean in towards us, you're trying to stand, you're trying to be patient. You know, all these tries we acknowledge. And so when you acknowledge a try, you're acknowledging the relaxation signs, right? So let, let's go with desensitizing, that you state, we've got a kicker in the rear. So he's kicking out at lines, and then people can visualize it a bit better. And so as soon as we've done that, we're going to go off the premise that we've done TLC. So that's an in-hand exercise. We've done a 12-step safety system, taught them head drops, neck yields, disengaging. We've done all of that. So they're ready for the pressure alter, et cetera. So now we're standing there and let's say we have a flag. So we're with a plastic bag and we're looking not to induce flight, fight or freeze. Flight is obvious. They run fights, they're going to kick, etc. But freeze is not always the obvious. Some people think they're being really well behaved when a horse is actually frozen. And they might even say there's a drop hip, he's fine. Well, with us, with Roth, we tend to acknowledge every single try. So we might say, could you keep your head down? Thank you. Could you, you know, stay with me? Thank you. Could you focus? Thank you. So we're training him to relax. We're saying, could you keep four feet on the ground? Could you relax that hind end? Could you breathe? Could you get the tension out of your body before we even start this flagging? So we're praising every try. We're shaping behavior into relaxation. Well, this year, we or maybe last year, we do these horses and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at this horse going, this is crazy. He's giving every single relaxation sign, but he's ready to run. How is that possible? Well, he'd learnt it. He'd learnt to deliver it. He'd learnt his head should be down, his eyes should be soft, he should be blinking, because we'd praised everything. So his whole mind had gone into, I know what to do. Head drop, look and chew, head in, I know what to do. And even the the left hind was relaxed. And you're looking at it going, but you're not relaxed. You're not relaxed. What is it about it? So absolutely, he had learned to display relaxed behavior and yet hold the tension inside. And it ended up not being one horse, two, three, more and more horses. And I had to discern it. And it wasn't right off the bat because you think this horse is learning. He's doing fine. No, he had actually learned to show us what we needed to see meaning he was doing his best to perform, doing his best to relax. And I can relate it to people. Because when you start thinking about it a little bit more, you go, yeah, I know. I know that I could relax during a meditation or I know I could relax with a cup of coffee. But are you? No, your body could be sizzling inside. Your tension could be there. Your stomach could be churning. You could have ulcers. And yet you know, oh, yeah, the coffee relaxes me, but not completely. Let's go caffeine by the side. So it's this piece to say, I believe 
depending on the way they've been trained, that they have learned to display what they know we want, not in a bad way, not in a manipulative way, but they've learned to display it to say, I'm trying really hard to relax, but not all of it is relaxed, not the whole body. Even though you're blinking, and that's the cool thing, they've learned it. But they, it's a, here's one for you, Glennis, here's a good way to say it. The head is controlling the relaxation signs, but the body is not on board. There's a great way to tell you. And I had not necessarily noticed that before the last couple of years. And I think that's a huge breakthrough to realize, you know what, we need them to have movement sometimes. We, we need to try different things to make sure that they're not just doing their best with signs. But the, tr the truth is it's not integrating into the body. That's what we're talking about here. Like doing tricks, isn't it? You know, do this trick and then you get a reward. You, you know, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. say thank you. Yeah. You've worked with quite a few wild horses and domestic horses. What's the difference about talking to wild horses versus talking to domestic horses through our eyes? The comfortability factor would, would be one. And the greatest comparison I have for you, which neither is recognised in the industry either, would be that a wild horse is a wild animal. And when we think of dogs and wolves, there's so much respect for people that are training wolves. And people don't even batter an eyelid, excuse the pun, when they hear about that, they go, oh, yes, wolf, you know, that, that's basically a wild animal. But when you say to an individual, I'm training Mustangs, they seem to lump it all in with horses. But it's a wild animal. And so the difference would be that this wild animal has an acute sense of awareness cute strength and in Australia you could be a mile and a half two miles away for those brumbies and they will clock that rider they'll clock the person because they've been chased on horseback and so on so they will know about a mile and a half two miles away so there is a sense of intention that they can see on the rider's motion and even the head carriage which is a huge deal to realize they're their sensitivity, their sense of awareness, their comfortability factor outweighs by far the domestic horse. And if you're able to gentle a wild horse and you've studied wild horses, all of it pertains to domestic horses, all of it. And occasionally you'll find a hot horse like a thoroughbred or a, an Arabian or you'll find an abused horse that could have a heightened sense of awareness, even a feral horse, somebody that's been turned out, etc. So you'll have it. But it's the wild horse who can read energy from miles away and has that ability for self-protection that it stands out beyond anything else so anybody really wanting to learn the language of the horse would be looking at studying the wild horses they're the wikipedia they're the wikipedia of horsemanship Anna, we've certainly talked a lot today um and horse behavior and now this is for not just people that are interested in natural horsemanship but this is for all horse people you know, I think it's essential. It's something that anyone that wants to have anything to do with horses, the more they understand about horse behavior, the more they understand the horse and the better their life will be, the better their, you know, their dressage or their jumping or their western or their barrel racing. All of this is better by understanding the horse. The horse is trying to communicate with us. We need to understand how to communicate with them. 
a little bit better. And I know that um, people can contact you through your website, reachouttohorses.com. I think that's the best way. And all those details, of course, I think it's info at reachouttohorses.com. All those details will be on your next page at Horse Chats, but people can just go to Horse Chats anyway and just have a look at um, Anna Twinney. Search for Anna Twinney and you'll get all the previous chats as well. And Anna, I'm looking forward to catching up with you some more. I love it. And we've got the Liberty Clinics and the Wild Horse Clinics. So those that really love it, we invite them to come. And one last saying here, Glennis, because it's it's pretty common and it's also a famous piece to say there's no such thing as a bad horse, only misunderstood horses. But the big piece here is to realise that they're confused, they're unsure they're, they're lacking the confidence or even the self-esteem. They've been abused and they're trying to tell you something. And so they could be cheeky and having fun and all of those things too. But the truth is it does begin in the eye and there is no such thing as a bad horse. So as soon as we understand the behavior, we understand their intention behind everything. And that is in the eye, the harmony, the connection, the collaboration just grows it just grows and with it our hearts grow you know and then we remind ourselves as to why we came into horses and the beauty of what they can offer us perfect perfect and us then well thank you again for having me thank you Anna. i'm looking forward to catching up with you soon thank you good night bye if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 